0: I'm Cecilia Lay and this is Fifth Emission. In recent years, we've heard a lot about San Francisco's AAPI population. Hate crimes against the AAPI community in San Francisco rose more than 500 percent last year. All of this comes as District Attorney Chase Boudin faces a new lawsuit. This is filed by members of the city's AAPI community. AAPI has become the catch-all label for people of Asian and Pacific Islander descent in the country. But the truth is, more often than not, discussions around AAPIs don't really address the P.I. in that acronym. Pacific Islanders. You might have come across stats like AAPIs make up more than a third of San Francisco's population, but Pacific Islanders make up less than one percent of the city's residents, even though San Francisco once had a vibrant Pacific Islander community, which was established more than a century ago. And while the hashtag #StopAAPIHate Hate has become a social media staple for many activists, Pacific Islanders have been experiencing serious inequities and disparities that have gone invisible for generations. Did you know that Pacific Islanders had the highest COVID death rate of any racial or ethnic group in California in 2020? Or that more than 70% of the San Francisco Pacific Islander population lives in public housing? Today on Fit the Mission, reporter Alyssa Mylene is going to talk about a San Francisco effort to bring visibility to the community in a new way. On Tuesday, the city's Board of Supervisors is expected to adopt legislation that will create a new Pacific Islander cultural district in San Francisco, which would make it the 10th cultural district in the city after the establishment of other districts like Japantown, the Castro, and the Mission. Alyssa Mylene will also discuss the history of the city's. Pacific Islander community, the unique challenges they face, and how a cultural district designation will help. Later, I'll be joined by Gaynoran Siatunga, a San Francisco native and activist who directs The Hut, the city's first Pacific Islander community resource hub in the Bayview. The effort to establish a Pacific Islander cultural district was her suggestion. She'll share why that effort was not just for the community, but also for building solidarity with other groups throughout the city. First, here's my conversation with reporter Alyssa Mylene. Alyssa, Pacific Islanders are usually lumped together into this very big AAPI category. They're the PI in that acronym, but they really are a distinct population of their own, different from the city's Asian American population in in a lot of ways. Who are we talking about when we say Pacific Islanders? Let's put a finer point here. Yeah, so Pacific
1: Islanders include... Fijians, Samoans, Native Hawaiians, Tongans, all other folks from across the Pacific region. You're right, Cecilia, in that they're always typically lumped into this larger AAPI category. And that's actually a problem because there's very, very specific challenges that face this population that are often not reflected in the area's larger Asian population. So taking that
0: community out can be a a challenge. San Francisco's Pacific Islander Cultural District has been years in the making, and it would be the city's 10th cultural district. Describe the neighborhood that we're talking about here the cultural district's
1: exact boundaries are still being cemented into place that will come a little bit later this year and early next but the area regardless will center around visitation valley which is a small working class neighborhood in southeast san francisco kind of when you're driving around this area there's lots of typical san franciscan quaint two-story houses but there's also a lot of fast food restaurants there's dollar stores and the neighborhood is bounded on one side by mclaren park which is a place that a lot of people that i spoke to have really fond memories of Pacific Islander events in their childhood, things like Samoan Flag Day and different parades and cultural events. But that hasn't happened
0: for a lot of these folks in quite a while. And before we get into the benefits of calling this a cultural district, remind us what is the benefit of designating something as a cultural district? We have quite a few in San Francisco. That includes Japantown, the Castro Mission. What advantages are given to these neighborhoods? the cultural district program was created by the city to recognize
1: marginalized communities and to also just bring people to the policymaking table in a more streamlined way. So essentially what happens is when a district or an area is deemed a cultural district, there is that recognition, but there's also funding. And that funding is in the form of about $230,000, which is used for the salaries and other expenses for a staff that oversee that cultural district, whether there's particular legislation they would like to go after or implement or events that they would like to host. It's really up to each cultural district and what they deem are the most pressing challenges that they would like to solve and face in that community. So we've seen some of the benefits of cultural districts in other parts of the city. For example, in the mission where CAI 24 or the Latino cultural district has existed for a few years. From talking to individuals who manage that district, they did tell me a bit about what they've done through policy and through other forms of legislation to curb gentrification. There are examples of stopping large developers from coming in and creating luxury buildings or luxury restaurants that would not be accessible to the general population that live in the mission, which is largely Latino. So they've been able to use the cultural district to push back against these types of policies and to create different policies that would help benefit those actually living in the area instead of pulling people from other neighborhoods
0: and bringing them in. Mm. So, Alyssa, many people might have some basic understanding of the Latino population's history in San Francisco, but maybe not as many understand the Pacific Islander community's history. Can you give us a little history lesson here? How deep are the roots of the Pacific Islander community in the city?
1: The Pacific Islander community in San Francisco is really small. It's something like 2,150 individuals just over from the last census, but their roots go back really far. So we've got individuals recorded from the Pacific Islander community living in San Francisco over 100 years ago. According to data from the census, again, that's just 0.4% of the city's population. But in the mid-1800s, Native Hawaiians made up 10% of the population of the city here at that time. Pacific Islanders came to San Francisco for a number of different reasons, according to some historical documents that I read. There was a large influx after World War II, when a lot of individuals who were formerly employed by the U.S. Army and Navy and had jobs on the islands serving those institutions ended up coming back to San Francisco, whether to be to work at Hunter's Point Naval Shipyard or, interestingly enough, to work in farms that were in and around the city or perhaps even more unique, encouraged by the Mormon church. You had a number of
0: temples out there and then ended up encouraging that missionary labor back. And as you mentioned, now the population is quite small in San Francisco. What has caused the community numbers to dwindle over the years? The community is shrinking. And I think the
1: reason for that is the same reason that's plaguing most other people and communities in San Francisco. I mean, that's housing. It's also just general cost of living. Whereas folks used to be able to afford a place or rent a place in Visitation Valley, like the rest of the city, it's no
0: longer that easy. It's the same kinds of complaints that we're hearing throughout the population. And tell me about some of the present-day challenges that community members face. What are some of the unique issues specifically to San Francisco's Pacific Islander community? There's a lot of chronic health issues that Pacific Islanders face. This
1: has been something that's been long documented, whether it be kind of chronic conditions like heart disease, obesity, and these types of things. But this was also made really, really clear during the COVID-19 pandemic, specifically in the early days. During the onset of the pandemic, Pacific Islanders across the state of California contracted COVID-19 at nearly twice the state's overall rate. Mm -hmm. And by May 2020, they had the highest death rate of any racial or ethnic group. The COVID-19 case rate for Pacific Islanders still is much higher than most other communities. It's more than double the rate of the city's American Indian population, double the Black population, double the Hispanic population, and more than four times that of white San Franciscans. Hmm. There's also issues in terms of socioeconomic factors. 73% of Pacific Islanders live in public housing, according to the cultural district's resolution statement. And a lot of folks are facing poverty and are relying on food stamps and other types of services from the government at higher
0: levels than other communities. Now, you mentioned that establishing a cultural district would give about over $200,000 in funding. Where does that money come from? And what do you think the initial goals of the cultural district would be? So the money comes from hotel tax funds, and it isn't just automatically
1: handed out. The community does have to go through a pretty long process of engaging with community members, surveying them, talking to folks to really get a sense for what the largest challenges are. A couple of the things that folks have told me that they're they're interested in going after are things like affordable housing, how to spur more retail development and entrepreneurship, particularly for smaller stores or smaller restaurants owned by Pacific
0: Islander families or individuals themselves. So the vote goes down at the Board of Supervisors meeting on Tuesday afternoon. Do we know how Board of Supervisors will vote on that? And how is the community feeling at the moment before that vote goes down? I think the community is feeling super hopeful. All essentially expect the vote
1: to pass. And even folks at the mayor's office do seem to illustrate this type of excitement when it comes to cultural districts. Those who are leading the charge themselves are already thinking about ways to celebrate and to continue doing so as the process moves forward into late this year and early next.
0: Alyssa Mylene is a freelance reporter. Her story about San Francisco's Pacific Islander Cultural District is online at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. In a moment, I'll be joined by Gaynoran Seatunga. She created the city's first Pacific Islander resource organization, The Hut. We'll discuss what the cultural district means for her and why the effort is not just about Pacific Islanders, but also solidarity. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Gaynoran Siatunga is a San Francisco native and longtime community activist. The last time I spoke with her was earlier this year, shortly after the recall of three San Francisco school board members, including Fauga Malinga, the first Pacific Islander elected official in the city. At the time, she expressed concern about the future of Pacific Islander representation in San Francisco and how the community's voice was getting lost in the larger discussions around AAPI issues. Siatunga was instrumental in getting the Pacific Islander Cultural District effort off the ground. I started my conversation by asking her how she was feeling now.
2: To be honest, I think still concerned. I'm not going to be here forever. So, you know, it's making sure that we're setting a a foundation that's going to be concrete and solid for our future. Unfortunately, uh, we have been recalled with our first elected official, but the work hasn't stopped. That just continued to motivate us and drive us to fight even harder. And so with the cultural district piece, this is something that will definitely put us um, in a place where we count and
0: and as you know, there's been a lot of attention on San Francisco's API population. and we talked about this last time too that the PI gets aggregated into this big group. How has recent years and this spotlight on this population changed or motivated your work in a different way?
2: The spotlight has changed drastically. People are are admitting, I'll say admitting, because it's not like a lot of people didn't know we weren't on the same level playing field. I was making a joke the other day. I said, now everybody wants a Pacific Islander friend. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it's true. I mean, Mm -hmm. it might be a joke, but it's our reality. You know, now uh, we get numerous of calls from all over, like, hey, we would love for, you know, a representative from the PI community. And it feels good. Mm. It feels real good to where it's also very overwhelming and emotional for our community because we've never been recognized as such. And my work personally, it definitely gave me the sense of identity I feel that um, has been dormant or has never really been felt in the work.
0: And there has always been these generalizations made about Asian Americans. And I feel like that's been really prominent, especially during things like the recall of Chase Boudin. What has this opportunity given you to make a distinction between the Pacific Islander community from the Asian American or API umbrella? What is what's been the opportunity?
2: What have you been able to assert in this moment? Oh, man, um, the most beautiful thing that has happened during this journey You know, um, the one thing I wanted to to make sure of as we were moving forward to make sure that the Pacific Islanders had their own identity was not just that we had that, but at the same time, not disregarding fully our Asian American brothers and sisters. So through this journey, we have met with a lot of our brothers and sisters of our Asian communities. And not only have we been rocking hard together, but they have been so supportive and said, look, our Pacific Islanders have been left out this whole time. Mm. And so have our uh, Black brothers and sisters and, and especially our Latinos, they've been rocking with us and our Native Indians. So I feel that in my heart, this move is not just for this population to gain that equity or or whatnot. But what I also see it doing and what I'm hoping, what I'm pushing for is that it brings all of our communities together so that we're not going at it against each other. And I think that's the biggest highlight for me. And that's basically my vision and heart in this work is that we just all, we're all together. Right,
0: right. So it sounds like solidarity making has been, a good sort of byproduct of this sort of recent attention on AAPIs. But at the same time, I know establishing a cultural district is really hard in San Francisco, especially for a community that has felt unseen for so long. What did it take to initiate this
2: idea? What were the first steps to get this,
0: this movement going?
2: I've been part of and been raised in the two most political areas in San Francisco, which is D9, District 9 and District 10. I've been blessed to be a part of the Latino Culture District when we uh, did it. I would never forget the day when they were changing the signs on 24th at to Add the Latino culture district, just a sign. And we really got emotional. Now the community, most of them didn't know why we we're so emotional or anything like that or what. Oh, wow, they're just changing the sign. But they didn't understand what it meant for the whole entire community. And so coming to our Pacific Islander community, which will now be the 10th one, the biggest challenge for me was to get my community our Pacific Islanders to to think about this or to talk about it because I can't blame our community for being extra skeptical or being even resistant because guess what? They've never seen what I've been blessed to see. I kept hearing, that's not going to happen. It's impossible. Oh, that only happens to the other, you know, like the Black and, and Latin communities. And so when I realized that, you know what? They just never seen it. Part of the resolution is, you know, writing the history to basically justify why this designated area should be, you know, part of our, our cultural district, or why did we identify that part to be a cultural district? And so, you know, our community is is an oratory type community, right? Everything is passed through story. It's not, a lot of it is not written. We just started asking and going out there and asking a lot of our community members and elders. I said, hey, can you guys just write me your migration stories, write your migration stories, and then I'll, you know, just put it all together. We finally got to where we got to even the mapping I was like, oh, my God, like what areas do we need? And we found out that this area of Visitation Valley, it's so vital um, when it comes to history here in, in San Francisco and Pacific Islanders.
0: Right. You know, I've been sort of thinking about this this journey to this moment as making a pitch to San Francisco. But you've reminded me that this has also been a pitch to the community to build trust with San Francisco after generations of neglect, I suppose you can say. And you also just talked about how emotional it was to see the banners go up in the Mission District for the Latino community. What do you think the designation would mean for generations to come that
2: maybe you didn't see growing up? Personally, it goes back to, you know, my own identity issues. You know, I always felt that wasn't a part of anything you know so I just made myself a part of anything and when when that happens then you become part of the environment so if I'm being raised in in the projects keep it real I came up in the drug and gang era and so that's what I become you know with the cultural districts what I feel now is wow I'm a Pacific Islander And it's like, it just gives you a whole nother sense of pride. And then for me being in the city is knowing that we belong. Mm -hmm. I'm born and raised here. And with all the gentrification and everything that's happened, it hasn't been inclusive to us that have been born and raised here. So it it sets another standard, like, wow, they do care about us, you know, and I'm talking about the city and then it helps too for us to care about ourselves, Mm. you know? I can't blame everything on the government. I can blame a lot on the government for neglecting us. And at the same time, I can look at our community and say, well, we wasn't even organized. We couldn't even get along. We couldn't even, you know, come together. And so now this, for me, I'm just like, dude, take your, take your place now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. do count and mm-hmm. we didn't feel that we counted at all.
0: Right. So Gaynoran, after years of community organizing and activism, when this vote comes down Tuesday afternoon to approve San Francisco's Pacific Islander Cultural District, will this feel like a culmination of all your work or does it mark a new stage of what your work will look like next?
2: I think this has made my work over the years really what I felt and why I was so emotional was two things. I felt my ancestors, I felt my grandmother, and then I saw the community. And my work, it, I'm just carrying on the torch and the baton. You know, this this work didn't just start with me or it didn't just start yesterday or today. It's been hundreds of years of ancestors and folks that have paved the way and, and everybody plays their part. And so I'm just pushing the torture you know, the baton along. And, you know, I look at the young people. So that's the second thing I thought of with this is that our young people need to take their place. And I've already talked to many of them. I was like, you guys ready? Because I'm ready. You know, I'm throwing the baton. It's hitting you guys head. It's it's yours, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to be here. I want to be your cheerleader. I want to be your advocate. I want to be, but this is all yours. Mm.
0: Well, Ganaran, thank you so much for sharing this with me, and congratulations on reaching this this momentous moment for the
2: community. I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for all your work, and you know I couldn't have done it without the creator and the community.
0: Gaynoran Siatunga manages The Hut, a Pacific Islander resource hub in the Bayview. You can learn more about the organization's work by following them on Instagram at Pacific Islander Resource Hut. Thank you to Gaynoran and reporter Alyssa Mylene for being my guest today. Thanks to King Kaufman for editing the episode and to you for listening.